Hi everyone, welcome to episode 37 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. If this is your first time listening to Inside View podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Please also click subscribe, uh, we'd be extremely grateful for that too. Any interaction you may have as well, please do tag us on social media and big shout out to our sponsor, GRG Sports who have been a great help over the last couple of months and if you're if you're wondering you know how to tug out your local sports team or or any local organization that you might be involved with be sure to get in contact with the guys in yeah, GRG Sports above there and Mayo be more than happy to assist you in, in any way possible. Um, just Google GRG Sports and their contact details will, will come up or just uh, you'll find them as well on social media. Also, big shout out to Vintry Harbour Asset Management, who are an asset management company based in Connecticut in the United States. We're extremely grateful and appreciative that they have come on board as sponsors. They've been with us now over the last couple of weeks. And if you're wondering what to do with some excess money that you may have, uh, be sure to get in, con- in, in contact with Andrew O'Shea of Vintry Harbour Asset Management. He'll be more than happy to, to you know to help you out. Um, feel free to contact us here on the podcast or on social media and we'd be more than happy to you know to make that link between you and, and, and Andrew. It's now time to bring on this week's guest and I'm delighted to be joined by Irish International and North Carolina Courage star Denise O'Sullivan. The Cork native has won back-to-back championships with the North Carolina based franchise. On both occasions she was voted most valuable player by her teammates. O'Sullivan's career has been an incredible one to date. A journey that started in Cork and brought it to Scotland, America, Australia and most recently England. Denise is a true leader and inspiration both on and off the field for country and for club. At the time of recording Denise was actually back home in Cork with her family but since then she has returned to the States where she is in probably in the middle of pre-season at the moment. Hi Denise, welcome to an interview podcast. How are you keeping? All good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I know you're you're down in Cork at the moment. Um, how's lockdown been there? Been down there the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I've been back here since December twenty first. I think anyway. Um, it's going well. I mean, it's hard with the lockdown, but you just have to look at it as as if like everyone's in the same boat, you know. So you just have to kind of get on with it. But I've been with my family, so been in that in, in a family bubble, and um. You know, they're very supportive always and I'm in a big family. I'm the youngest of 10, so I always have people around me and stuff. Um, the lockdown has been, it's been fine for me. Um, I've been training away and stuff, uh, so it hasn't been too, too bad, but I'm just enjoying the time with the family, I guess. What kind of training have you been doing, say, during lockdown? You're, a lot of it's obviously on your own. Yeah, it is. It's all on my own right now. Um, I came back from Brighton on the 21st. I played my last game on the 20th, so... I took two weeks off um, after that just to totally relax mentally and physically let my body, you know, wind down for a bit. Um, and I started back training. Then we have, with the NC Courage in North Carolina, we have a, a program from our strength coach, Mike Young. So I have all that on an app on my phone and I just go up the field and it's different things. It varies every day, speed work, uh, fitness work, um just uh, gym work then as well, but I do that at home. I have a few weights there and stuff that, you know, just kept me going for the for the few weeks. But there's no excuses, really. I just go out and get the work done, as simple as that, to be honest. Has it 
do, do you ever kind of think back with what over the last couple of weeks you know you're probably just being in the bubble with the family and you couldn't really get out and about but have you ever thought back geez you know a couple of years ago I was training here I was playing playing ball here with a few of my mates now I'm playing over <laughs> with the courage and have two back-to-back titles and everything's going going well yeah absolutely um look this is where it all started for me uh in Knocknahini, playing with the playing with the boys team growing up, New Farm, um, and honestly, just playing out in the streets there from for hours during the day. Um, as I said before, using you know jumpers as goalposts, but um, I think it it has made me into the player I am today and the person I am. So, um, when I look back, it's crazy. You no, know, like I never thought I would be where I am, uh, winning championships and. Um, having 80 caps for my national team. It was always a dream of mine to be a professional footballer and play for my country. Um, and here I am living it out now. So, you know, I never take advantage of that. I, I always put in the work and I just want to get better every day, to be honest. And just you, you, you uh, touched it there a few minutes ago. Um, you came back there from Brighton uh, the middle of the middle to the end of December. But uh, why did you end up over uh, Brighton originally? Um, so last year, obviously, the pandemic started in America, and uh, usually we'd be in full swing with a, a season, but the season got cancelled, and we just played a, a tournament. So we played in Utah. It was a bubble. Every single team in that within that bubble, and after that tournament, basically, um, they done a fall series in in America, but I had national team as well. Um, September. Uh, October, December, you know, the whole way through. So in order for me to be able to play for the national team, it was best for me that I be in Europe. So if I had to travel back and forth to America, I would have had to quarantine for two weeks every single time. And I would have missed a lot with the courage. I would have missed a lot of training. So spoke to the club and, you know, they were they wanted the best for me. Uh, so they agreed to let me go on loan, uh, a short-term loan with Brighton. So that's really how I ended up over there was to get more game time to you know, just be fit for the national team. What was it like over there? Is, um, you know, is it very professional, like the the, the men's side, or is it, has it only kind of started off over the last couple of years? It is. It's, it's a very professional league Um, over there in England. It's becoming one of the best in the world. You can see that from all the players that are coming from all over the place and all over the world. But being with Brighton, it was fantastic. They have a men's team as well. It's a, it's a very professional club, great facilities. Um. And yeah, just being part of that team was was very good. I was welcomed with open arms the minute I got there. And I have two of my Irish teammates there as well, Megan Conley and Rihanna Jarrett. So it was a lot easier to settle in um, and to just play with the team. Um, it was a different experience for me and just to experience a different league as well. It was really good. And I am I was glad I was there for a the couple of months anyway. And I know when you landed there, you had to uh, quarantine for a while. Um, just out of curiosity, how, how was that? Did you find that kind of testing? Um, I did. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> it was absolutely awful, to be honest. Um, flew in from America and got pushed straight into an apartment that was about almost an hour away from everyone else. It was in, I mean, the sea was by it now, like, and stuff. So obviously being able to go for a walk, like just a few minutes outside your door. But other than that, I was just stuck in there. didn't really know where I was, didn't know my surroundings. So it, that was tough, to be honest. But um. The club were very helpful. They brought um, a bike and stuff like that for me to be able to keep up training. Obviously, it wasn't the same like you're inside the house every single day and 
training's not and when you're inside your house just doing weights and stuff but it kept me ticking over um but I think the most important thing during that time was just keeping in touch with people uh keeping in touch with my family and you know the girls as well uh, Megan and Rihanna so they were very helpful um but yeah sure everyone has to do it. it's just what you have to do during these times so in the end it was grand Good. No, I think I didn't have to go training like that yet, but I, it's a crack up. I'd say it'd be very, very, <laughs> very hard. Um, just out of curiosity, as well, what, what I suppose what has been the biggest challenge for you over the last couple of uh, months? You know, guys, you're probably it's, there's just so much uncertainty there. Yeah, of course. Um, I think the biggest thing is probably social interaction. I'd say. I'd say like I'm I love going out and socializing with people I love going to coffee shops sitting down reading a book I love going out to restaurants I miss that the most I think just getting getting ready to go out and eat a meal with my friends and stuff so being able to meet up with people as well like all the girls I've been home here now for about a month and I haven't seen any of my friends like so I think that that's been the toughest part for me and um, when you just come back for a bit and you expect to you know be able to hang out with your friends and see them because you probably won't see them again for probably the rest of the year to be quite honest so um I think that's been the biggest challenge so far is just not being able to see the people who are closest to you you're obviously in contact with the with your team over in um in the US the courage what's the feeling like over there at the moment in the soccer league is it going to go ahead as normal or is there going to be some adjustments yeah there's there's plans for the league to go ahead anyway um the plan is I think well we're going to start pre-season February 1st um, and then we're going to do the bubble tournament again. That's the plan that's in place right now. That could all change. So um, I'm not really sure at the moment. And then we'll have the season from May 1st. That's when the season will start until November. So there's plans in place for sure. I'm just hoping and praying that everything goes to plan. <laughs> perfect, perfect. No, hopefully it will, you know, because um, there's, there's not much else going on. It's, it's, it's great to watch, you know, teams play. It's the only thing kind of got us through the last couple of months. Um, do, do you want to give us exactly, an yeah? Do, do you want to give us an oversight um into how soccer kind of you know started for you? Um, and did you play other sports actually as well when you were young? I did. I played camogie and I actually played um Gaelic football as well growing up. So I played three of them at, all at once at one stage. Anyway, um, I enjoyed it, but I think football was always just I was just inspired to be. A professional footballer and that was just in my head the whole time so um I think when you play three sports and you start to get older then you have to make that decision to really just pick one sport and football it was the one for me the whole time so I decided to go with the football and um started off playing with a, a boys team New Farm Athletic in Knocknahini Um at the time there was no girls teams really around me um where I could just walk over the road and you know uh train and stuff so the boys team was right over the road. I'd go over there and, you know, train with them and play. Um, and I think it really benefited me from playing with the boys. Um, you know, they're always stronger, faster. So it definitely challenged me. Um, and then I joined Wilton United. Uh, that was a girls team here. It just started to get big. Soccer just started to, uh, you know, develop here. Um, so I joined them and I was under Pat Bowder and Stephen Lynch. And uh, they were absolutely fantastic coaches and, you know, they really helped me throughout my career. So I stayed in I stayed in that league for a while until I could play with the Cork women's team. Um, it was a new league in Ireland that developed. So I played for them two years, maybe. Um, and 
then I have so much I had so much going on in my career now you know you'd forget about it but uh, Glasgow City actually came came knocking then um, asked me would I make the move over there and honestly it took me <laughs> it took me weeks to even answer the phone I'm sure I'd never answer the phone like I was like no so I'd always leave my my mom and dad do that uh, thing but I decided to go anyway it was probably the hardest the hardest decision I've made was to leave home I was always a home bird and never thought I'd actually get away but um yeah made a decision to go and you know turn semi-pro at that time with Glasgow City and uh, they're a club that really develops players and players usually go off and play for bigger teams after that because of that club a uh, fantastic club um so yeah that's my career to date and how I started off and stuff and um just keep working hard and try and get further I guess and what what I suppose bringing it back, why did you choose to go down the football route? Um, was the fact maybe Roy Keane was you know such a hero close by to you that might have been rubbing off, or was it just that you had a, go- a gang of people were all playing football at the time and one thing kind of led to the next? Um, yeah, Roy Keane obviously was a big like icon of mine. He lived only up the road from me in uh, in Mayfield, grew up there, so. Uh, watching him, Corkman, being able to do what he has done was very inspiring for me. But I also have five brothers who uh, played football growing up and I would be out in the streets with them playing every single day. So my brother, John Paul, has a few caps for the junior Irish team. And I think going to watch him play for the national team as well really inspired me to be able to do that. Um, And then I just think it came from within myself. I just loved the game. I loved playing it. It was it was always so much fun. So. Um. Yeah, I just decided to stick it out and and work hard and you know try and get as far as I can. And Bristol, Bristol City came knocking as well in your teens. Um, looking back now, are you happy you didn't decide to go over there? Yeah, they did. They they wanted me to go over for I think it was three years, and there was a scholarship involved. I actually went over there with my I think my sister at the time. Goodness, that was a long time ago. But went over there and looked at facilities and stuff and. Yeah, I've no regrets, to be quite honest. Like, um, what I did up to today has got me to where I am. So I definitely have no regrets about not going there. Um, going to Glasgow was an even better move for me at the time. It was a step up from where I was and it really developed me as a player. So I don't look back and say I, 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 don't, I regret not going there, you know. Um, I suppose, you know, looking back now, um, I know you... You, you were with Cork and then you kind of went between Cork and Piedmont a few times back mm-hmm. and forth. Um, but before that, just out of curiosity, look, I know you're kind of gone from the, the football circles now in Cork, but do you think there is enough been done now for, you know, to keep girls in, in football or whatever sport it is? Is there more girls team around compared to back when you were that age? Definitely. Yeah, I think it's gotten a lot better. Um, as I said, there wasn't really many girls teams around for me and the opportunities weren't really there when I was younger. So really playing with the boys team was like my only good option at the time. But now I look at it and, you know, there's there was girls teams even up here in Nockenheaney, a uh, Holly Hill team last year. Um, I think Cove Ramblers now and stuff are actually even getting a girls team. So I think it's definitely after developing a lot but um and improving and there's definitely way more girls getting involved in the sport so it's really good to see that but um 
I think we need to, you know, keep pushing on now. And even in the Women's National League here, um, it's hard for clubs. Like, there's not really enough investment in it. So it would be great to see a lot more investment going into the, the Women's National League. Um, there's still girls playing to play, like, um, in this league here. So, And you see a lot of girls going over to England and playing and going all over the world to play. And, you know, someday you'd wish that this league could really um, keep those players here and, you know, just give them the opportunity to be able to stay at home uh, with their families as well. So it's definitely after coming a long way, I think, the league, but I think we can definitely do better with it. Don't take this the wrong way, no, but it's something I came across was the junkyard mentality. Do you want to explain exactly what, what that is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I got that name <laughs> when I went to North Carolina. Um, I mean, it was it was a name for the whole team, really, junkyard dogs. That's what they really call call our team. I think it's just the mentality of all of us just never giving up Um just really going after teams for 90 minutes, I would say, non-stop pressing teams, um, just being relentless in, in what we do as a team. Uh, so, yeah, and then they just started to say that to me, give me that name, and I think I do have that mentality, um, you know, and it probably is because I'm Irish as well. That's the Irish mentality too, I think, um, for playing. We just never give up. We keep going and, you know, relent- relentless in what we do, so... It is a whole team name, but yeah, I started to get it once I was with the Courage. And uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I don't mind, to be quite honest. That's great. So, <laughs> um, at, what point did, <laughs> at what point did you kind of realise, look, this is something I want to pursue um, and this is something I can make a career out of? Um, I'd say when I was going to interprofessional tournaments with... Um, with the monster teams playing those tournaments and just realizing that there was actually Irish scouts there watching you, you'd get really excited at that age, like thinking, wow, there's these people here watching me and I could potentially end up playing for my country. So I think it was around that time where I really started to believe in, um, you know, having really good tournaments there. And then afterwards getting called up actually to uh, the school's Irish team. Um, that's when I started to believe I wanted to, I wanted to do this and I wanted to get caps for my country. So um, I'd say that was around when I was 14, 15 years old when I really thought, yeah, I could, I could be like a player for my country and go on to be a professional footballer. Jesus. It's, uh, it's been a long, a long road since and we're, we're, quite, we're going through it now slowly. Like, but um, definitely what you've achieved so far is, is absolutely amazing. Like, and just on that point, no, we say, when you were, when you went to Glasgow, um, you won a huge amount there, and but you also won uh players, uh pl- the players player of the year award, um, and that was kind of a general consensus throughout your career so far, and even up to the courage. How like you you obviously are able to, you know, you show some qualities in 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 your to your teammates that they believe in you so in so much that. They vote for you. Mm-hmm. If you know what I'm trying to say, probably going around in the wrong way now, but yeah, no, I get what you mean. Um the reason why they vote for me, I guess. Uh I don't know, it's just I think I'm a hard worker all around. I think that's something about me that, you know, there's no excuses there. I'll just go out and give it a hundred percent for the team regardless. But then I think just 
probably my ability on the ball um is why as well um but i i think the biggest for me is probably the hard work that i put in in each game and the passion that i show um for playing for whatever team i'm with i think that's why i get the the rewards in the end but in the end they don't really they're nice to get they're they're really nice to get and it just shows that you're appreciated but at the end of the day it's just about me making everyone else better around me um and then making me better as well i think that's that's the biggest thing that matters for me we you know when you're achieving you know you're achieving so much now individually and as a team how do you keep that appetite going you know that drive going do you find that difficult anyway um not really <laughs> no I, I'm always motivated to do better like um yeah I've won championships and I've been voted MVP and all that stuff and you know I've 80 caps for my country but um I'm going back to the courage now and I don't know like it's a whole it's going to be different there's players after leaving and there's players coming in so it's going to be a whole new challenge for me again. Um, and I need to work just as hard this year as I did last year to be able to get back into that starting 11. There's no promises. Um, yeah, I've been named MVP, whatever, but that's the past. Um, and I have to go out and show that again uh, going into this year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's always a challenge for me, I think. And it's, not, it's always an exciting challenge. So uh, I never really go off track with it or think I'm too good or anything like that I just work hard and the thing for me is just to keep keep getting better as a player and keep wanting to improve because yeah I'm 26 and I might have 80 caps for my country but I still have a whole lot I can improve on so there's a long way to go still and just out of curiosity those caps is that including since say under 14 all the way up or is it under 15 all the way up no they're just senior they're just senior caps, actually. Yeah, Jesus. for the senior national team. So, yeah, yeah. It was since 2012. I started playing with them when I was, I think, 17. So, I've 80 caps so far. So, hopefully, I can a few more under my belt in the next few years. Jesus, yeah. that's amazing. Well, we, they must be constantly you. playing. So, like, you, you're, you're constantly so on, the, on the team sheet when you, when you are available and when you can be available. Uh, yeah, basically I am. Um, but as I said, that that can change anytime. So I never get too comfortable in where I am. Um, I always want to push for more. And uh, yeah, the goal is to get a lot more caps for the national team and just help the team, really. Look, naturally, everyone, when they go away from home for the first time or when they're going into a new environment, homesickness is a thing. You know, it's, people might sugarcoat mm-hmm. it, but it's just natural. How did you deal with it, you know, the first time you had to leave 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 Ireland? It was tough. It was definitely tough. But um uh, my family were very supportive. Like they knew they didn't want me to leave, obviously. Uh being the youngest of ten and being the baby of the family, uh they definitely didn't want me to leave, but they knew that it was my dream. So to go and play professional, so they supported me and uh, they came to visit, but the first time going to Glasgow was very tough. Being away from home, you haven't experienced it before. Uh, always have your mom there to cook your dinner and do your washing and stuff like that. So uh, it was hard, but um, 
I think the club over there were very good to me. They helped me settle in. There was always people really around me to help me as well. So um, it wasn't too bad. And I just really, FaceTime was very important. And in that time of my uh, of my career, just to keep in touch with family. And honestly, I think I FaceTimed them probably twice every single day. Like my mom and dad, it was crazy. But it definitely helped me to settle in and just get used to it then. Like get more independent, doing your own thing, you know, and stuff like that. So uh I started definitely started to get used to it yeah and how did you because uh, you were you, you did say that it's, it's kind of it's kind of semi pro at the time um how did you fill your days obviously you weren't training every day were you um goodness I can't even remember no I think we were actually training most days over there we'd have a couple of days off but um we usually trained that night uh, I think it was about 7 7 p.m so I think I would just get up and just uh you know have breakfast maybe go out and have a coffee sit down and read a book and stuff like that not in major during the day at all uh be at home like uh watching tv so there wasn't anything major that i'm filling my days with uh, just really uh you know relax and wait around till till training came along then this this could be a completely stupid question now but glasgow city um does that does that team include rangers and celtic or what's the makeup of yeah it? It, it well they're all different teams like the Scottish League so there's Glasgow and there's Celtic and there's a uh, Rangers Aberdeen so there's a good few teams in that within that league like um that compete yeah so Jeez. Glasgow City is is its own club uh, it doesn't have a men's a men's team to it so Celtic obviously does and they have the women's as well and yeah <laughs> is there a big rivalry over there was there at the time uh I yeah, I'd say like playing against Rangers now and stuff and uh definitely a big rivalry at the time. But it was always good, it's always good playing them games like. Um when the opportunity didn't uh come to go across to America? Uh it was 2016. Um I was actually it was at the start of the year we went to America actually to play the USA team with the national team. And that game was on TV. There was thousands there watching it. Um, and it was after that trip and after that game where I actually was spotted by the Houston Dash. So uh, they actually went, were in talks with my representative at the time. And then they came up with a, a deal for me to actually go over there. And did you have to do much? Th- like, was it always the dream like to go and play in, in the US or... Or what's the like? Or, is, you know, we say in in the main side of things, the pinnacle would be Premier League. Um, mm. Is the is the US the equivalent for the women's? Well, I think usually, I'd say most people would probably say I want to go and play, play in the Premier League. Like, but um, I always wanted to go play in America for some reason. It just really stood out to me, and I actually remember being when we went on that trip with the Irish team. I remember being in the bus. I think we were on the way to training and I was with my, she, my best friend now, Savannah McCarthy. And I said to her, like, I'd love to play in America. And it was weird. then that right after that trip, that these contract talks started to come about for me to actually go over there and play. So it's always been a dream of mine to, to go and play there. I think it's because it's just, I think the lifestyle as well. I, I love it over there. So it's always been like that for me. And yeah, I just love it ever since really. I'm delighted that I actually went there. And obviously the like even though you know looking looking at matches there um and looking into your your background like the the volume of of uh, supporters that go to games 
it's great. You know, there's a good following for the women's league over there. That must be a great uplift as well. Definitely, yeah. It's after it's definitely after getting a lot better over there. Um, like we go and play Portland there, and there could be twenty odd thousand at a game. Like you know, watching and they're like very good. Portland have very good fans, and the stadium be absolutely buzzing. And uh, it just all depends on what kind of player you are. If you actually thrive off that, or if you're if you go into a shell. And for me, I get energy from that. So, um, I love playing there in front of those crowds and. Even with the courage, like in our in we've a small enough stadium, um, it holds about ten thousand. We'd fill that out for, I think we filled it out for our semi-finals, uh, one year. So it's a really great atmosphere, and and to play in that is something that, you know, I I want as a player. And what was the, do you know, in your own opinion, what was the biggest change we say going to America? We say if, from a from a football perspective and you know, from your own personal perspective? Uh, from football, I think the quality of the league and just trying to adapt, I think, and get used to that. Um, very athletic league, very, very fit players. And I was, I'm tiny, like going into that league, you think, oh my goodness, I'm, I don't know what I'm going into here. But I think that was definitely uh, the biggest challenge was the physical aspect of the league for me going in there. But um. Once I started to play and get used to it, that that all came came along, you know. And definitely, since I went to the courage, just the environment, the training environment there uh, has made me a lot better. And I was really able to adapt to the league when I went to the courage. So, uh, yeah, that was the biggest challenge. But I think from a personal point, I think I think just being so far away, like you're on the other side of the world by yourself, um, not really going in, not knowing anyone, trying to get used to. The, the first time I went to Houston, it's a huge city, like, so trying to get around there and, and just get used to your surroundings as well. I think that was, that was the big thing. Your career definitely in, in, um, in the US definitely, you know, highlights the importance of having someone that believes in you, um, having a good coach and backroom team. During the first year with Houston, it was excellent. You were flying. Um, the, the second year, things obviously changed. Um, how can you give us an insight how you felt at that time? Um, it must have really affected you. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I think it affects anyone like sitting on the bench and only you know it's it's a tough it's a tough job to be sitting on the bench and only coming on for two minutes a game. Um, when you show up to practice every day, you're working hard and uh, your attitude's really good. So um, only getting two minutes was a big knock on my knock and effect on my confidence. At the time, my confidence was very low. Um, your self-esteem is very low. You just feel, I don't know, it's, it's a weird situation to be in. Like you just, you're just not getting any game time and then you're going into national team and you just don't feel confident there either. Um, and you don't feel like you're at your best. So, and then being so far away from home as well, when you're not playing, it's very tough. But um, look, there are the challenges that you have to go through in in professional sports. It's just, it's all business as well. Um, for clubs, and that's a time in my life where it was tough, but it made me better, and it made me the person I am today. So, again, no regrets. You know. At what point? See, I'm just I'm still trying to get into your your mindset at that time, like and just so people would be able to relate to it. Like, there mm-hmm. it it was 
as you said, it was absolutely difficult, um, especially when you were flying the year before. Did it affect your mental health? Uh, I wouldn't say severely, to be quite honest. Like, um, I was managing fine. Obviously, it was tough, and you just don't feel confident, don't feel happy. Um, but I wouldn't say I had a big effect on my mental health. I think I'm very strong-headed, and um, yeah, I think I was still training. I I was surrounded by by very good people, and I made good friends there. So I think that made it a lot easier for me. Um. But I think if I stay there and just and if I was just comfortable with sitting on the bench, I think I could have been a lot more sad as the time went on, I think. Um, but I finally built up the courage to go and speak, obviously go and speak to the coach and tell him that I wanted to to leave the club, basically. Like that that shows your determination and drive as well, you know, to succeed, like and the fact the fact that you know, you were, you're strong enough and you're like, just, I need to get out of this environment if I want to, you know, continue to advance in, in professional professional football. Um, and I believe the game against Scotland was the point you realised I need to make a change here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually got taken off. I think it was in the 80th minute at, at the time. Um, I just didn't do anything in the game, to be quite honest. I'm... I wasn't surprised that he put me off the pitch because I was absolutely crap. Um, I had no confidence in that game. That's when I realised I didn't really want to get in the ball. And for me, getting on the ball is just something that I do always now. When you have confidence, you always get in the ball. So at that time, I didn't want the ball. I was hiding. Um, and I just didn't really feel fit or sharp. So it was at that time where I was going back to Houston after that and I actually had a chat with um, Dan Horan. Uh, he's the strength coach for the FAI. And he said, look, you're just going to need to get out of that club like, and get out of that situation if you want to be better. So he gave me the confidence to go and speak to uh, the coach back there. So I went back and I just built up the courage to go and speak to them and say, look, I, I need game time um, so I would like to leave and at that time I actually had a a contract offer from Germany a team in Germany and I was very close to signing it the Houston Dash allowed me to go like they just said yeah you can leave so that was unusual for uh, USA teams just to leave you go for nothing um, so I was put out on a wave list and, and a wave list is where you're put out on a list and within 24 hours any team from the NWSL can come and pick you up. So uh, I was actually in Chicago at the time, sitting down having a coffee, and my phone rang. And Paul Riley, the North Carolina Courage coach, it was him who called me and said, look, we want you to come down. Um, we'll make you better, and you will get game time. So three days later, I, my bags were packed, and I was actually flying for North Carolina. So, um, But it's the best decision, decision I've ever made now. He, read between the lines, he really took you under his wing and, you know, believed in you and that rubbed off in your in your performances. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, going to that club as a whole has uh, made me better. Um, the club itself is absolutely fantastic. All supportive people all around there. Um, then Paul and the staff uh, really believed in me every single day. They pushed me and they didn't let me settle for anything less than what I could have achieved and, you know, what I, I could be as a player. So 
Um, I was in an environment where players set standards for each other and you know if you go below that bar then you're going to be told um, we'll always be friends afterwards but you'll told you'll be told if you're not putting in the work there at the courage that's one thing so um, those players just being around uh, them some of the best players in the world to be honest was had really an effect on me um, just looking at them and them leading by example I was just very motivated to do better and uh, yeah, it honestly it took me it took me a good while to actually get into the team. Um, I don't know what hit me when I went there because the training was so tough. Um, it was fantastic, but it was a very tough environment to be part of, and um, it took me a good few months to actually get into the starting eleven. Uh, I had to work my way into it, and once I got into it, then I kind of nailed down nailed down that spot. And that franchise, it is a franchise, isn't it? The the courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that came from New yeah. York, didn't it? We've immense, yeah. It did, yeah. Uh, New York flash, and then they moved to the North Carolina. And yeah. was there many girls part of the New York setup? Did they moved to Car- Carolina as well, or? Yeah, all of them really. Like mm-hmm. most of the team, I'd say there was probably a few of the girls that didn't, but most of the team actually they all went together. Um along with the staff and just moved, located in North Carolina then. So you yeah. you just yeah, referred to it there that, you know, you were really hit by the training and, you know, you said that if you, you know, if you aren't up to standard, you'd be told about it, but it's not in a, you know, a bad way. It's just to keep the culture and that winning mentality up. How, as a club, you know, you've been, you've been at different clubs now. Um, how, as a club, Mm-hmm. Does North Carolina Courage keep that winning culture and that winning mentality going? Um, I think it comes from the coaches and all the way down, or even higher than that, the whole club itself. Um, they really set examples, and um, Paul has, I think, instilled this mentality into the team. Um, each one of us are. You know, we've a very hard working team and um we're called the underdogs and <laughs> Paul still to this day says that we're underdogs after winning championships and everything else, but he's he has instilled that mentality in us and that's for us to you know, we're never comfortable as a team. We're always gonna work hard and, and push further and I think that's that's the culture of the team all around and you have to be ready to be part of that and you have to be able to take it. Um and yeah, we, we set standards for each other and, you know, we hold each other accountable, I think, every single day. And um, that's what makes us the team that we are. And that's why we win championships. Um, as I said, training is very hard. And uh, I think I said it before, one really tough training can actually be tougher than a 90-minute game. Um, and that's how we train within the team. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic culture to be part of. and. Um, everyone just wants the best for each other to be quite honest that's just how it is there and even from the players that don't start uh, there's no like there can be little you know people going around talking like I'm not starting and you know they get into little groups that's how it happens in women's football but with the courage the players are always wanting the best for the starting 11 that's on the pitch and that's just how it is within that team and Obviously, things are going to change now. Players are going to come in and out of the team, but 
no matter what our standards stay the same and the culture stays the same and uh, the players that come in have to live up to that and I think there's players that are there that will tell you off if you if you don't live up to that it's always for the best of each other so like players don't leave you know they kind of leave the egos at the door and you know they work collectively to to achieve the goal of, of winning championships Definitely, yeah. And there's players there that actually could have egos. Like, they're world-class players winning World Cups. So they could easily come in and have an ego and, you know, ask, you know, demand this and demand that. But it just doesn't happen. And I think that's the environment that Paul has set. Um, everyone just works hard for each other and, and just wants the best for each other. And I think that's really why we do win championships. So... Yeah, I'm definitely excited to go back there and be in that environment again because I have I definitely missed it the last few months. And just could you give us a bit of an insight what a normal day would look like, we say before COVID hit 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 the world um <laughs> over there? Yeah, um during season we'd have usually training would be at about 10, 10 in the morning, 10 a.m. So we would do a pitch session for about an hour and a half, whatever. Um so that would be usually we play on a Saturday. I'm trying to think here now the schedule. Play on a Saturday, then we'd all go in for recovery on a Sunday together um, in the morning. And then we'd usually have the day after that off, so the Monday. And then the rest of the, the days would be training in the morning. And then on a Tuesday and Thursday, we'd have an afternoon session in the gym as well. So we'd have a pitch session in the morning, then an afternoon session. But um, yeah, it's just go to training, you know, go eat come back for your other session in the gym and then do whatever then like you want after that. Um, I mean, you're a professional, so whatever you do after that is your own. That's your own responsibility. But I think what makes you a professional really is all the hours away from the pitch, what you're doing when you're not training and what you're doing to help your body. So I think the courage is um, we all really do that as players. Like we all look after our bodies well and, uh, it's what you do off the training field and for the rest of the hours that you're by yourself you know is, is that really counts so that's what a typical week would look like and in pre-season it's different then again we would train twice a day every day we'd probably we'd probably have a day or two days off maybe during pre-season in the week but we the other days we would train like twice a, a day and usually the staff would try and get in a game for us then um, every few weeks yeah, from what I can remember, yeah. <laughs> and do you all kind of live together? Or do you live in the same street, or what's the the makeup? Yeah, we do. Um, the club actually organises a an apartment complex where the whole team goes into that complex together. Um, and we'd two or three to an apartment then, uh, with your teammates. So it's a really good setup. Like it's only a couple of minutes away from the stadium, and it's a it's a lovely. Lovely setup as well, so it's grand. When I was looking into your your career, like you 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 clearly don't like to you know to take time off for a break because during the off season the last couple of years you went to Australia. Um, do you want to give us a an insight how how that was, you know, coordinated how that happened? Yeah, um, I actually went to Canberra first, and then I went to Sydney um year before last, so. I finished my season with the courage and the Canberra coach just called me really and asked me, would I be interested in coming along uh, for a guest stint? So 
a guest when a guest player goes, it's seven games uh, in the time of the season there, and it's non-consecutive, so it can be one game one week, and then a few weeks later you can play the other game. So it's just seven games within that season, and yeah, I just agreed to agree the contract to go, and uh, I think with the NWSL it's a long off season, so it's about four. It can be about four months, so I didn't really want <laughs> didn't really want to take four months off to be quite honest, and the club. Obviously, North Carolina have to agree to let you go, like because you're still in contract. So, I spoke to them, and it was only seven games, so they were they were happy to let me go. So I went over there, and then I went on another seven game stint with uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. Then the year after that, so uh, it's fantastic over there. Yeah, I'd love to go back again. Um, both clubs were fantastic to me, like, and you know, I was settled in right away, and then just being in Australia, the the lifestyle and everything else is amazing over there. So it was like playing competitive football, but then having a, a holiday on the side as well. So it was really nice. And uh, I, I imagine that's played during the summer over there. Like it's so it's extremely hot, is it? Extremely hot. Yeah. Like very, very hot. Hard to get used to, but you do at some stage, probably a month in or something, you get used to it, but it is, it is very hot. It's right in the middle of summer. And is it hot over in, in North Carolina as well? Would it be? It hot? is. Yeah. Once it gets to, into the summer months like June, July, August, it to be roasting there. Like it can be a hundred degrees and then the humidity is very high as well. So it's tough and it's tough training environments, like training in that in those conditions, but you just kind of get used to it, you know? And I love training in the sun anyway. I'd rather train in a hundred degrees than like freezing cold. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you had to you had to that's why you got out of Ireland so and as, as quick as possible. <laughs> um, that's it. <laughs> Do you know the we even a lot of traveling over in the uh, women's league over in in the US? Would you be traveling all around the country like or is it divided up? Yeah, it's it's all around the country really, like West Coast, East Coast. Um, like there's ten teams in the league, and you fly to each game, so you get on a flight. Uh, the only team you probably wouldn't, well, we'd still fly to them actually. What am I talking about? But you could drive like on a bus. It would take probably five hours to get to Washington, but. We still fly and it takes an hour. So, uh, yeah, we travel a lot. And I don't know, every every few weeks, like, you're you're playing an away game. So, you know, you're going over and you're staying in a hotel for two nights. You go there, you play the next day, and then you go home the day after the game. So there's not much, like, exploring you can do in those times when you go away and play. But obviously you have some time, you know, off as well where you can, where you can go and explore. Yeah. Football has made me more independent and mature. Um, that was a quote from something I, I came across that you said before. Uh, can you give us mm-hmm. a, a bit of an insight into, into what you meant by that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think just leaving home from a young age, uh, I think being back home and being with your family and everything's really done for you, you know, you don't really have much independence in that. So I think going away for me... Um, you know, doing things myself, like cooking and, you know, starting cooking, uh, cleaning and all that stuff. And just being going out over there and it just makes you more independent as a person, to be quite honest. You do, you start to do things yourself and uh, and then the maturity as well. You just have to kind of grow up because they're the things that you, you're by yourself and you need to be able to do those things. And yeah, that's that's really what I meant by that. 
Yeah, I know. It definitely forces you to, you know, when, when the washing isn't done and the ironing isn't done, you have to, <laughs> you have to do it yourself. You do. <laughs> um, just out of, I, I don't think I've actually asked many athletes this, but I'm going to start asking them because it'd be interesting to, to get the response. Um, have you ever experienced on-field sledging or abuse? Um, no, actually, not really. Like, uh, obviously, like you get the other fans of the other team shouting stuff, like, and but it's not really very harsh, like towards you, or it's not impersonal. But you do get, I think, as a whole, you'll get abuse, like, from the other fans. I think it happens in, you know, every football game that you go to or you play in, and uh, but I've never actually got like personal you know, abuse aimed towards me um, on the pitch. And I think it's, if you do, it's just part and parcel of being a footballer. It's going to happen at some stage and it's just how you how you react to that. And I think you see a lot of women's footballers and men's getting abuse, like, and getting trolled online and stuff like that. Um, where you just have to, yeah, it can be tough. It can, but you just have to, it all depends how you react to it, really. And for me, I just ignore them kind of things. Like if I, someone comments if you had a bad game and you see that in line like people talking about it I just kind of brush it off and ignore it like we all we all have bad games and you know everyone has a bad day so for me I'm kind of mentally strong you know with that kind of stuff it's, it's easy for them to be behind the behind the keyboard and I like you know a lot of them probably haven't even played football or exactly but... yeah Look, I know with the Irish national team, things didn't go well, um, or didn't go according to plan, sorry, you know, for qualifying for the European Championships. Um, it's, mm-hmm. But I suppose on the positive note, um, the Irish public have definitely come on board, you know, with the with the soccer, with the women's side. Just looking back now, in order, you know, to make that leap, what do you think needs to be done to qualify for the World Cup, which I think is in 2023? 2023, yeah, 2023. Uh, yeah, first of all, I think the Irish fans this past year have, I've never seen anything like it really in the sport they had for us as a team and everyone just came behind us. Um, but yeah, I think, I think like as, as a whole, I think we, we definitely need more time together. I think, you know, we don't get a whole lot of time together. We don't get a whole lot of friendlies that we can, you know, really go in training camps and stuff like that. So I think if we can push for that and be able to be together more and um you know just get used to each other as well I think that would be really helpful but um in terms of ourselves and the actual team I think it's just been I think finishing in front of goal is huge for us I think as as a team uh being able to do that and I think just mistakes just cutting out little mistakes as a whole team I think would be and errors is huge as well for us and um just performing under pressure if we can do that and but I definitely think we're we're getting a lot better as a team and I've I've seen that the past year with us that you know we can actually play we've always been a team that's defensively organized and you know hard to break down but I think the flip side of that is going forward and being able to keep the ball and I definitely think we've improved in that in the past few years and but then after that it's just finishing and being able to score goals I think that's that's huge for us as a team to be able to you know just be teams that we really should be beaten and yeah and the, I suppose that's the big thing with the international sides even with the, the the boys as well or the the men um it's probably the lack of time together you know there's 
you know, that's probably very hard to, like, there's probably not many windows that you can come together, is there? Exactly, yeah, there's, usually there's not, like, we could have a lot more, I, I wish we did have a lot more time together, but um, I think there's only, there could be, well, the qualifiers now are in September for the World Cup, so there could be only a few windows in the year that we could actually be together, and then, obviously, there's COVID now, so it's kind of all over the place, and um, that really would have an effect on us going into the qualifiers, like not having much time together. But uh, just hoping that we can have more of that in the next year. Like if if everything goes to plan and everything works out even during COVID, like I know it's it's going to be very tough to be able to get everyone to travel to one place with with these tough times. But I think that's a huge step that we can take going forward and just getting more friendlies under our belt and just being together as a team in general. The 2020 campaign in Ireland, um, you, you, you were around for most of it, or you probably would have been, uh, you've been keeping track of it, anyway. Um, the 20 by 20 mm-hmm. campaign, sorry, um, was really beneficial, you know, for encouraging girls to continue to play a sport. And personally, I think the big thing is, you know, as a child, when they see a female athlete in the public domain, you know, they can aspire to be that person rather than looking up to a male. Um, in your opinion, what is, you know, can be done with, say, to capitalise on, the success of of that campaign last year yeah I think that was a fantastic campaign and uh just the past year I've seen it honestly it's been all over social media it's been absolutely huge and as you said for young girls to you know look and see women being promoted in sports and for them to be inspired by that is absolutely huge and I think I think it's just being able to continue that now and I know the campaign's over but it doesn't need to stop there. I think we need to keep promoting it and keep promoting women's in sport and, you know, yet let young kids see that and um, just to give them more opportunity going forward and for them to be able to go and play sports and, um, yeah, just to get more opportunity. And that's what I would say. I have role models, to be quite honest. When you went to America, did you find this hard... Um you know, to communicate, you know, the people find it hard to understand your accent because when I go to America, <laughs> they don't understand me at all. Like, so. uh, yeah, probably very different, I'd say, um, to them. Uh, I actually still, my coach in North Carolina, Paul, actually still makes fun of me over my accent. He tries to do it every single day that I'm there. So it kind of never gets old for them. But I think the girls are used to it now. I think I've been there enough. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're definitely used to it. There's probably some things that I say and they're like, what What did you just say? They have no idea at all. But um, yeah, it's funny, like, but they're definitely getting used to it anyway. And I have a pretty strong accent, like I think Cork accent. So uh, yeah, it was at the start very hard, I think. And for me to be able to understand them as well in, in America. Um, but yeah, you just get used to that as as time goes on. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, look, we're coming towards the end now, but just out of curiosity, when, look, you're still 26, um, when football finishes for you, what would you like to do after that? Um, I'd like to stay involved in the sport. I know that. I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I'd love to stay involved in the sport because I am, I am so passionate about it. And um, I've done coaching a lot. I've, you know, coached teams. I've, done individual coaching so um I think that's something I'd like to do I love working with kids um so maybe that I could be involved in that or else um 
commentary is something I'm very interested in as well, like analysis and games, halftime uh, shows. So I don't have any experience in that, but I think I can I can get it in the next few years. So if I'm if it's something I want to do, I know I'll be able to do it. So um yeah, I definitely stay in the sport anyway, that's all I know. I'm not sure exactly what don't have a plan like this is what I want to do. So no, but that's that, that's uh, that that answers the question. You know, you 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 do want to stay in sports, so that's um, mm-hmm. you know that's Definitely. that's a big thing. At least you you know that. And would you be open to staying in the US, or would you be open to come back to Ireland, or just wait wait and see? I suppose. I guess wait and see. Yeah, obviously, all my family are back here, and it's great to be back here. Um, but I think I'm just used so used to being away now myself and. Um, I really do love America, but I also love Australia. So uh, I don't really know exactly at this point where I want to end up staying. But um, hopefully I'll have my green card in America in the next few years. So uh, I guess we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> wait and see. Wait and see. Look, I'm, yeah. I, I, we got a couple of questions in there. So I'll, um, I'll wrap them off to you and you can, you can, you can see. Um, mm-hmm. is, uh, what would you say to young girls starting out a career in football? Um, I think just work hard consistently. Um, there will be challenges uh, along the way, but I think you just have to overcome those hurdles and uh, keep believing yourself and, and never give up. I think as well, surround yourself with good people. I think that's very important and it's been very important for me um, as a professional athlete, just insp- around being around people who have the same mindset and who inspire you. So that's what I'd say. Will you sign for uh will you sign for a WSL team? We loved you at Brighton. <laughs> uh it's not a no and it's not a yes. So um I guess we'll see what the future has in store. I don't really know that answer yet, but uh England was a great experience and Brighton was a fantastic club, so we'll see in the future. How did you master such an Equist first touch. Just can't even pronounce that word, but <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to either. <laughs> Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah, that's the question. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I think growing up, probably always being on the ball, um, always being outside playing with the boys, street football. I think street football would be the answer to that. I think I've got so many touches on the ball, being playing with the boys out in the streets that uh, it just kind of came naturally to me once I you know was doing it every single day so just work at it I guess uh, what is your most uh, memorable game well that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one out of so many games but um, I think my first championship I think with the courage the game against Portland in Portland um, there was 20 odd thousand fans uh, Portland being the rival team uh, and getting the win there and actually winning the championship. So that's definitely up there, I think. Toughest part about adjusting to playing in America? Uh, I think the physicality of the league, I think the speed of play, um, that was the biggest adjustment for me, just getting used to that and I think moving the ball at a quicker pace than what I was used to. Any nutrition tips? Um. I don't really, I wouldn't say I have tips, but I just think eat healthy, like you have a balance, you know, just 
uh, I eat what I want. I know I'm a professional, but I actually kind of eat what I want. But um, I just make sure that I get enough calories and, you know, just, yeah, just have a balance, like eat healthy, but then have a treat as well. You have to, you have to have that. So enjoy yourself. Last one. Uh, during your career, how has the perception of women's football changed? Um, I think a lot more people around the world are getting involved. Um, I think in Ireland, as you could see the last few years, the fans that have came on board with the women's team and the amount of fans that turn up the games, I think it's a lot better than you look at five or six years ago. You'd only get a couple of hundred. And that's went up to four to five thousand for the women's team. So I think the the fan base has been absolutely huge, and I just think the promotion of the women's game in general has has really gotten a lot better. Last two questions: Who do you look up to, and why? Um, I don't have any one in particular, but I think my family. I think I look up to my family. They have been my support system for since I was since I had a ball at my feet they've done every single thing for me Um, you know being my mom and dad growing up they didn't have a lot of money but they gave me what I needed to be able to become a professional footballer so and it, my mom and my family still does it to this day uh, so I would definitely say them and last question what would your daily routine be during the season which we already answered and would you uh, like would you be an early riser or would you practice visualization or something like this you know those those techniques no i wouldn't to be honest um i don't really do any of that and it's not that i don't believe in it but it's just something that i don't i don't do i just Honestly, I don't even have a routine actually before a game or anything like that. I just get up and make sure I have a coffee and make sure I'm fueled before a game and put in my headphones and listen to music. And that's that's really what I do. Brilliant. Look, on, uh, on that note, I'm, I took too much. I took enough of time from you. And look, I really appreciate it because I know you're you're getting ready now to head back to the, the courage. And look, Denise, thanks very much for taking time out and coming on Inside View podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Denise. What a true leader and inspiration to any aspiring athlete. You could hear the drive and determination in her voice to always succeed. You know, always get better. A true professional, really. Really, really a true, true professional. Receiving awards from her teammates at different clubs is, is evidence, you know, of her true leadership qualities and how high regard she was held uh, amongst her, her teammates in those clubs as well. We wish her the very best for the upcoming season and thank her again for taking time out to come on Inside View podcast. That is all from us on this week's episode. Please we'll get in contact with the show if you have any stories from part of the team, whether it's a sports team or a corporate team, please do let us know. We'd love to hear and everything will be kept confidential, so don't worry about that. Again, we'd remind you to please do rate, review and tell your friends family about the podcast. Please do go follow us on social media. Be kept up to date with everything that's going on in the world of on the ball team building. And we have a few actually very exciting upcoming competitions as well. So be sure to to tune in and, and follow us on social media to be you know to see what's involved in, in those competitions. You'll find us on Instagram at underscore on the ball team building. Over on Facebook, it's on the ball team building. Over on Twitter, it's we are on the ball two. That's the digit two. You'll also find us on LinkedIn on the ball team building. 
and we're also on TikTok. It's on the ball team building. Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week. We have another exciting guest. Till then, stay safe and remember, cred and not fin. Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.